selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. We're now two months into our reinvestigation of the Pinion Pines triple homicide. We've dissected victimology, studied the outdoor crime scene, and took a deep dive into the arson investigation. Now, it's time to take a close look at the victims themselves. John, Vicky, and Becky's bodies were all severely burned, which limited the amount of data that the medical examiner was able to collect, but he was able to determine cause of death for two of the victims. This episode will be very basic, data-driven, and won't be very long. There's just not a lot of information to work with here. Nonetheless, this is a necessary step in our process, and after covering the medical evidence, I will be delivering my preliminary profile. This is Season 12, Episode 8, The Autopsies. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All three autopsy reports are uploaded on our website. They are pretty far from thorough, at least the reports are, so what I'll be covering today is the trial testimony about the autopsies, where some of the questions that you might have were asked and answered. But i got to be honest with you, the testimony wasn't all that thorough either. 
Unfortunately, the doctor that had performed the autopsies had moved away and was unavailable to testify. Instead, Dr. Mark Fajardo is on the stand. He was the chief forensic pathologist for Riverside County at the time of trial. He'd been serving in that role for two years, and prior to that, he was the chief medical examiner for Los Angeles, and before that, again, he had been the chief in Riverside for three years. At the time of trial, he had performed over 6,000 autopsies. But as I said, Dr. Fajardo didn't perform the autopsies himself. They were performed by Dr. Aaron Gleckman. The district attorney conducting direct was John Aki, or Aki. I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name. And he points out that Dr. Gleckman was at the time residing in Connecticut. Dr. Fajardo explains that per protocol, when a pathologist leaves his office, one of his tasks is to testify on behalf of those pathologists who have either retired, passed away, or are otherwise unable to testify. And with that, he begins with Becky's autopsy. Fajardo starts out by explaining that he reviewed the report and all of the autopsy photos to prepare for trial. He explains that Becky's entire body, with the exception of her lower legs, was charred by the fire and that a portion of the left side of her body is actually burned away. He says that the primary purpose of the autopsy in this case was to look for a cause of death. He's looking for, quote, holes, metallic fragments, things of that nature, end quote. In Becky's case, no such items were found. No holes were found in what's left of her body. Nothing was found via x-ray. When asked what her cause of death was, Fajardo testified, quote, homicidal violence, undetermined etiology, end quote, which he explains means that her death was at the hands of another, not her own, and not from natural causes. He determined it to be homicide simply based on the circumstances. Her body was lit on fire, and just 70 feet away, John and Vicky were both shot to death. He says that, quote, it's not a far stretch of the imagination to conclude she probably suffered homicidal violence, end quote. And he adds that neither he or Dr. Gleckman were able to pin down the actual cause of death. Fajardo goes on to explain that it's the pathologist's responsibility to remove any items of evidence from the body and turn it over to the police's evidence. What's happening here in the testimony really has nothing to do with medical evidence. Aki is laying a foundation for a chain of custody. He's showing photos of Becky's shoe, her socks, pants, etc. He does the same thing with John and Vicky. And he's having Fajardo testify that those were all items that were in fact on the bodies and that they were turned over to the police. After we get through that, we move on to Vicky's autopsy. Very few questions are asked during direct, but we'll be circling back to all the victims and cross. But as I said, not much happens there either. The entire testimony is only 22 pages long. The doctor explains that Vicky's body was badly consumed by the fire. She's actually missing her extremities, her lower legs and arms, because they were completely burned off by the fire. The original autopsy consisted of a full-body x-ray of Vicky's body. There was a lot of bone damage, but Dr. Fajardo explains that most of that is due to heat damage from the fire. Artifacts, he calls them. But notably, on the left side of her head, a metal object was detected, later determined to be a bullet. He also notes that there's a large portion of the right side of her skull missing, indicating that the bullet entered on the right side of her head passed through her brain, and came to rest on the left side of her head. In the actual autopsy, it's noted that the bullet was found between the skull and scalp on the left side, meaning it almost passed all the way through. The skull on the far side absorbed the last bit of energy, and the bullet wasn't able to pass through the skin. Otherwise, we likely wouldn't have a cause of death for her either. But thankfully, that bullet didn't completely exit. Now as to the missing skull on the right side, Normally, a large amount of bone missing like that would indicate that the barrel of the gun was actually pressed against the skull. 
The explosion that comes out of the barrel of a gun is more powerful than most people think. Oftentimes, in suicides where a gun was pressed against the head, people will mistake the entrance wound as an exit wound because of the large size. So if these were normal circumstances, one could surmise that Vicky was shot point-blank with the gun pressed against her head. Unfortunately, due to the fire, that can't really be confirmed. But that part of her head is inconsistent with the rest of her skull. That's the only place where there's a large chunk that's missing. Vicki Freely's cause of death was determined to be a gunshot wound to the head. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Next up was John's autopsy. John's body was in similar condition to Vicky's, badly burned with extremities missing. In his case, something very interesting was discovered. In order for you to fully get what's going on here, let me real quick explain how a shotgun shell is constructed. I'm sure a lot of you might already know this, but I know that a lot of you don't. A shotgun bullet is very different than a bullet fired from a pistol or a rifle. In fact, it's not even called a bullet. In Vicky's case, she had a single projectile lodged in her head. That round was fired from a pistol. Pistol rounds consist of a brass shell casing, a cylinder closed on one end and open on the other. The closed end has what's called a primer basically a cap that creates a spark when the firing pin hits it. That's what ignites the powder. The construction is simple. The casing is filled with gunpowder, and then the open end is sealed with a single bullet. The firing pin strikes the primer, 
makes a spark that ignites the gunpowder, which forces the bullet out of the barrel. But a shotgun shell is very different. First of all, it's much larger. A 12-gauge, which is what was used in this case, has a barrel close to three-quarters of an inch wide. A shotgun shell consists of a short brass casing, like with the pistol round, but in this case it doesn't go all the way to the end. In a shotgun, the brass part of the casing is only about three-quarters of an inch long. The casing is then extended with a plastic cylinder. So the total length of the shell is around three inches in length, and two inches or so of that is plastic. The end that's closed, the brass end, has a primer just like with the pistol round. Then comes gunpowder, just like with the pistol, but then things change. With the pistol, after the powder, you have a solid bullet. But with a shotgun, you next have what's called wadding. Wadding is like a plastic cup about two inches long. There are four slits running lengthwise in the wadding, so that if you folded them back, it would almost look like a flower. The purpose of the wadding is to make a seal and to keep the flames from the powder away from the projectiles, which are what comes next. Inside the wadding, which again makes a cup, so to speak, is the shot. Unlike a pistol or a rifle, shotguns typically don't fire a single projectile. Instead, the wadding is filled with BBs. I know you might be getting bored right now, but I promise there's a reason I'm explaining all of this, so stick with me. There are all different sizes of shot. Double-lot buckshot is one of the largest. The shell would be filled with 8 to 10 large lead balls about a quarter inch in diameter. These are usually used for deer hunting or for personal protection. When you fire the gun, you're sending a handful of 30 caliber projectiles downrange in a scatter pattern. It's very deadly, even to larger animals. And from there, you have varying sizes of shot, ending with what's called birdshot, which is what was used in this case. These are tiny lead BBs, less than an eighth of an inch in diameter. They're usually used for, you guessed it, hunting birds. When you're shooting at a small animal, like a bird that's flying through the air, you want a wide pattern, because they're hard to hit, and you don't want a shot that's so big that it'll destroy all the meat on the smaller critters. There could be a hundred tiny pellets packed into a birdshot shell. The end of the shell is sealed up by crimping down the plastic casing, and this keeps everything compact and keeps the BBs from falling out. So, now that the lesson's over, this is why it's relevant to us. When you fire a shotgun with birdshot, at any decent distance, the firing pin strikes the primer, which makes a spark, which pushes against the plastic wadding, which has forced out the barrel, pushing the BBs along the way. The wadding exits the barrel as well, but it catches wind resistance, and you'll usually find it on the ground about halfway between the gun and the target. It just falls away as the BBs continue downrange. But in John's case, the wadding was found embedded into his chest, and that's why all of this matters. The wadding is lightweight plastic, and it isn't aerodynamic at all. In order for the wadding to penetrate into his chest cavity, he had to be shot at an extremely close range, but not point blank. And that's because we know from the x-ray that the BBs found in his body were scattered over about a 12-inch area. That means that there had to be some distance between the barrel of the gun and him when he was shot. I'm just estimating, but I'd say that he was shot from inside 10 feet away. Dr. Fajardo testified that there are two separate regions of birdshot seen in the x-rays one in the upper chest, and one in the lower chest and into the elbow area. He suggests that this likely means he was shot twice. During the initial autopsy, several pellets were found inside of John's left ventricle of his heart. The cause of death was determined to be a shotgun blast to the chest. A few things to note here. The first is that birdshot is an odd choice as a murder weapon. 
it's rarely fatal when a human is shot with such a small load. For those of you old enough to remember, back in 2006, just a few months before these murders, Vice President Dick Cheney shot his hunting partner with a similar load. They were hunting quail, and Cheney somehow managed to shoot his friend in the face, neck, and chest with birdshot, three places where you would expect someone would be killed. But he was treated and released from the hospital in just five days. The only reason that he was even in the hospital for that long was because a single tiny pellet managed to work its way into his heart, causing a minor heart attack. It got there by traveling through veins, not because it penetrated deep enough to puncture the heart. This type of load is not designed to cause a lot of damage. In fact, it usually doesn't even kill the birds. Any of you that follow me on social media know that I myself am an upland bird hunter. My Instagram is full of posts about me and my German short-haired pointer Mac out hunting pheasant. And I'd say 8 times out of 10, the shotgun blast doesn't kill the bird. It usually knocks them unconscious and, well, Mac does the rest. Knowing that, I would never load up a shotgun with birdshot if I planned to hunt anything bigger than a chicken. Certainly not if my intent was to kill a human. So either our offender was a complete idiot and got lucky that the shot was fatal, or he or she knew that the shot would be very close and knew that birdshot would be enough, or knew that because of the birdshot, the shot had to be close. And it appears that the gun was brought to the scene by the offenders because there were no guns known to be missing from the house. There were also no spent shotgun shells found in the property, like you might expect to find if shooting bird loads was something that John or Vicky liked to do on a regular basis. At this point, I'm leaning towards the offender being either a bird hunter or a skeet-slash-trap shooter. I think they had these rounds on hand when they planned the murders. I don't think they went to the local sporting goods stores to buy rounds for this purpose, or they would have bought a more appropriate shot. Next, we'll move on to cross-examination, which is only two pages long. Like I told you, this one's going to be short and sweet. We just don't have a lot to work with. First, Robert's attorney spends his short time on cross confirming that there wasn't a lot to examine on John and Vicky's bodies due to the fire. Then he points out that there was a bit more to work with on Becky's body, but on the parts of the body that were still intact, no obvious injuries were found. He also confirms that Dr. Gleckman's conclusion was that all three victims were deceased before the fire started. All three had at least some lung tissue intact and showed no signs of inhaling superheated gases like you'd see when someone died during a fire as opposed to before it. He then asked if anything noteworthy was found in Becky's internal organs, and Dr. Fajardo said nothing at all. And that's it. Christian's attorney didn't cross-examine, and Aki decided not to do any redirect. And me, I'm pretty frustrated. There were so many relevant questions that should have been asked or explained. At least the questions that I want to know the answers to. And we get nothing. Becky was shot in the head with a pistol and was dead before the fire. John was shot twice with a shotgun, and he also died before the fire. And we don't know how Becky died, but she was dead before the fire. I still have a lot of questions, and some of them can be answered, or I can attempt to answer them by looking at the autopsy photos and reading the autopsy report, right after a short break. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Bloomingdale's, Levi's, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. 
Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. First things first, was there alcohol or drugs detected in the victim's systems? Blood work was performed on all three, so we'll start with John. John was tested for alcohol, and he had none in his system. He was also tested for amphetamines, meth, benzos, cannabinoids or marijuana, cocaine, opiates, PCP, and barbiturates. Those panels list results as none detected. I don't know if that means the testing was negative or if they didn't have enough blood. For alcohol, the result is listed as 0%, but for the other blood panels, it just says none detected. Becky's panel came back exactly the same, 0% alcohol and no drugs detected. Becky appears to only have been tested for alcohol and marijuana. Her results were 0% alcohol, and under cannabinoids, the result is detected. So she did have marijuana in her system. Unfortunately, that's all it says. We don't get a nanograms per milliliter result that might give us a little more information as to how much or how often she smoked marijuana. I believe it can stay in your system for up to like six weeks, so we really don't know if she was high at the time or if she just smoked the day before. But it's worth noting that John's panel came back as non-detected. We've heard from friends that he would smoke pot on occasion with the teenagers, and we've wondered about other drug use because of his money issues. But based on these results, there's no evidence that either of those things are true. I'd hoped someone would have probed Dr. Fajardo on the stand to help us better understand the results. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. So all we have is none detected. There's not a whole lot else we can draw out of Vicky and John's autopsies. Their bodies were just too badly damaged by the fire. But we get a little more information from Becky's. Sadly, this autopsy report is extremely brief and not very thorough at all. But I'll break down what it does say. It says that Becky was 5 foot 8 inches tall and what remained of her body weighed 100 pounds. Under cardiovascular system, we find that everything appears normal with her heart. Next is the neck. He notes that there's no trauma to the carotid arteries, jugular veins, epiglottis, or thyroid, and there are no cervical spine fractures, and her esophagus is unremarkable. 
He doesn't mention anything about her hyoid bone, which is something we look for to see if someone has been strangled. But based on what the doctor did write, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of strangulation. Then there's nothing remarkable with her lungs. And under gastrointestinal tract, we find that there was no food present in her stomach, which would mean that she hadn't eaten for several hours, probably at least four. He also notes that there are staples on Becky's cecum, which represents a surgical site. The cecum's part of the large intestine, and as of now, I have no idea what that surgery was for or when it occurred. Everything is normal with her liver, pancreas, and spleen. The left adrenal gland was burned in the fire, but the right side is unremarkable. The bladder was contracted and contained no urine, which isn't surprising. Oftentimes, people will empty their bladders as they're passing away. And then the big one. Everyone is asking, was Becky pregnant? And it appears that she was not. The report says, quote, The uterus, fallopian tubes, and ovaries are grossly unremarkable. End quote. Lastly is the head. There are no signs of skull fractures or bleeding on the brain, which leads us right back to where we started. How was Becky killed? She was dead before the fire. She wasn't hit on the head hard enough to kill her. She doesn't appear to have been strangled. She's missing a decent portion of the left side of her chest, which could mean that she was stabbed or shot. But if that's the case, where's the blood? The investigators found the place where the wheelbarrow tracks began, which they later refer to as an area of disturbance. If she was shot or stabbed out there, as they theorize, there should be blood, and probably a lot of it. The state's theory is that she was killed out there, and then Robert went back to the house, got Christian, and retrieved the wheelbarrow, and took it back out to the crime scene to get her, and she would have been bleeding on the ground that entire time if she was shot or stabbed. So where's the blood? There's also no blood found around the wheelbarrow. A gunshot with an exit wound would have left a spray pattern of blood, but no blood is noted and none is visible in the crime scene photos. Personally, I think the answer lies in the path between the backyard and her body. Which leads me to my last point, something not even mentioned in the autopsy report, Becky's left foot. It doesn't look like Becky ran very far without her left shoe on. Her sock remained halfway on her foot for starters, and the bottom of her foot is clean and free of injury. In the photos, you can see that there's some purplish coloring on the bottom, but that's from lividity. I see maybe one very small, looks like older scratch on the outside of her foot, and the bottom is not only absent of any cuts and bruises, but it's clean. Now that we've finished all of the medical evidence and victimology and the crime scene investigation, I'm going to leave you today with my own preliminary profile of our offenders. First and foremost, our unsubs came to the house with the intent to kill. I don't think that this is something that just happened in the heat of the moment. They came packing not just one gun, but two, which indicates to me that they had multiple targets in mind. The murders of John and Vicky were personal and brutal. It appears that someone pressed a gun up against Vicky's head and pulled the trigger. That tells me that this person probably has a violent past and perhaps has even killed before. She wasn't shot at a distance or in the back. This isn't like TV where killing is easy. This unsub restrained her, pressed the gun into her head, and we have to imagine, as horrible as it is, that she would have been begging for her life. And he pulled the trigger. John was also shot at close range, not once, but twice. But because of the shot to Vicky's head, and the circumstances and how she was shot, I believe that she was the primary target. 
I think we're looking for someone with a personal relationship to the victims. They had dogs that survived, the offenders, and yes, I believe there were two at a minimum, were able to get into the house and get close enough to restrain Vicky without her fleeing. She had to have been restrained. No one would just stand there with a gun pressed to their head. She was either restrained standing up or she was down on the ground. I think we're looking for at least one male, big enough and strong enough to confidently attack. Becky looks to me to have been an afterthought. Not only were John and Vicky's murders obviously intentional, but most of the time and care to conceal the crime happened in the house. Becky's distance from the house speaks to hesitation. The same killers that shot Vicky in the head and John at close range allowed Becky to escape for 70 feet. I think they were less inclined to kill her, but ultimately had no other choice. Placing Becky's body in the wheelbarrow and lighting her on fire demonstrates a knowledge of forensics and criminal sophistication. We also see signs of patience. These killers stayed calm and cool and stuck to the plan after the murders. All three victims were dead before the fire started. That means that after firing at least three gunshots into the quiet night air of Pinion Pines, the offenders stuck around to make sure to cover their tracks. This speaks to maturity. I think this case is full of red herrings. Police locked into a wheelbarrow track, crumpled up business card, and a planned hike that never happened, and then spent the next 10 years trying to make a round peg fit into a square hole. I can't reconcile the offender smart enough to light Becky's body on fire to hide forensic evidence, and yet dumb enough to leave clear tracks in the sand leading right back to the primary crime scene. It just doesn't square with me. I don't think the offenders drove to the scene. There were multiple 911 calls. People were paying attention enough to notice flames coming from the house, but no one reports seeing any vehicles driving down the desolate roads. Either at least one of the killers lived close by, or they were smart enough to park their vehicle at a remote location and walk to the scene, which again points to criminal sophistication and maturity. In my opinion, we're looking for two offenders, and one was clearly in charge of the other. At least one of them has a violent history probably before and after the offense, and he's no stranger to breaking the law. He has a good understanding of emergency response times and possibly fire dynamics. He probably has a background in either law enforcement or firefighting. At least one of the offenders is either an upland bird hunter or a sports shooter, and whoever did this had a serious grudge against Vicky or was hired by someone who does. The motive here was murder, plain and simple. It wasn't rape. It doesn't appear to be robbery, and it was most definitely not a spontaneous crime of passion. These murders were planned in advance, and the only flaw in the plan was that Becky was home when she wasn't supposed to be. That's my current feeling on the profile, but as you all know, I'm not a professional profiler. It's just my amateur opinion. I know we're going to have a lot to discuss about everything I just said. Unfortunately, I'm currently out on assignment, and I won't even have cell service until Thursday, so there won't be a follow-up this week. But feel free to discuss all of this amongst yourself in the Facebook fan group. And you all know my process. I try not to rely on amateur opinions, not even my own. So now it's time to bring in the big guns. Retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent and world-renowned criminal profiler, Jim Clementi. That's next week on Truth and Justice.
an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at BobRuffTruth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.